Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. Got a great Friday show for you. We've got starting off new bias. Wilborn covers Auburn for AL.com. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting conversation. I tried to ask him about the game, and it really just evolved into us talking about the Brian Harson saga uh, that's really been going on for the better part of a year now. So a lot of big picture stuff. He shed some insight on you know the offseason coup, what how that's affected everything this year. And we got into some football, offensive line struggles, tanks, Tank Bigsby, and uh, some various things there. So good conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. And then we'll close out the show with LB's Greg and Fresh Cuts. But before we get to that, though, I want to remind you the podcast brought to you by new sponsor, Ray Stevens, real estate agent with Square Real Estate. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home around Oxford, Ray can help you out. Whether it's a two-bedroom condo or your five-bedroom dream house, let Ray make the process seamless for you. He takes pride in finding people, homes they can cherish. Maybe you're looking for a second getaway place up here in Oxford, tired of paying for overpriced hotel rooms. Give Ray a call. He'll set you up with everything you were looking for, and boom, all of a sudden you'll have a nice getaway. Maybe you're looking to sell yours, move into a newer one. Maybe you're looking to move from place to place in the Oxford area. Whatever the case may be, Ray offers individual service to each and every customer. Known him a long time, great guy, works hard, rock star in the industry. You need to check him out. I wouldn't send it you to people that I don't trust. All you have to do is give him a call at 601-624-4824 and tell him I sent you. He'll get you taken care of, provide you some options, and uh, really just understand your needs and try to find you in a place at a reasonable price that you will cherish forever. Check him out. Ray Stevens, Square Real Estate. Again, that's 601-624-4824. Broker number is 662-832-7777. It's a lot of sevens. Check him out. Ray Stevens. Very glad he joined the Rippy Rides podcast family. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Skybox hitting it 60% on college, all college football plays this year. Are you hitting it 60%? I doubt it. Guess who else isn't? Me. Check out Neil's picks for reference. Just been a comical uh, a comical show of incompetence there. I bet you're tired of losing money. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday nights, Monday morning, asking you to square up. Already got the scaries that just adds to it. You want to be texting him, asking where your income's coming from, from this week. Skybox can help you do that more consistently than your own brain. They are the professionals. They have all kinds of different algorithms and methods that's going to help you profit in the long run. It's the only way to profit in the long run. Go online, skyboxsportspicks.com. Find a package. You can try it for a month, a week, a year, you can do any sport, um, sport specific, whatever the case may be. They're going to help you out. They're going to send you a nice color-coded spreadsheet. Boom, you'll feel like a professional and you'll start making money. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off. All right, we'll kick it off with Nubias Wilborn of AL.com with some very interesting um, Auburn stuff as far as the big picture and the game at hand. All right, we now welcome on Dubias Wilborn. He covers Auburn for AL.com. And right off the top, I really just have to commend you. You might have been the easiest podcast guest to get of all time. Um, sometimes when we do these week-to-week opponent things, I think Media Beats just conspire and is like, hey, let's not answer any DMs ever. You answer me within like minutes or like, you know what, I could actually do this tonight. So I really appreciate it and I uh, hope you're doing well. 
Hey, man, look, I, I know what it's like to have to ask for these things. And on top of a guy's already busy schedule, I get it. But if I can help, man, uh, yeah. I really appreciate it. We'll just get right to it. What I, I This is a loaded question that you could go in a million different directions with. What has gone wrong so far with Auburn? You mean today, yesterday, yeah. the past? I mean, how far are we going here? We'll as far as like describing, let's go yeah. Penn State on. Let's go Penn State. Okay, on. okay, so just there. So we're not getting into the coup back in February. Yeah. I Maybe mean, as many go as far as you want to go, and how much time do you have here, sir? <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, the offensive line just isn't cutting it, and the defensive line ain't cutting it either, and. It's hard to win against good teams when you don't have a dominant offensive or defensive line. Um, just as far as just the bare bones minimum of it, it literally starts up front, and Auburn has not demonstrated that they can really do much up front. Yeah, and that's really something they've been known for. I mean, really, it transcends coaches, right? They always have, particularly on the interior, great defensive line and pretty good offensive line play. And you're right. I think that has reflected in a lot of their struggles. And it's really kind of jarring to see an Auburn team. You know, they have a decent amount of sacks. Like, their pass rush has been okay, but it seems like they kind of got gashed on the run on the interior a bit. And I wonder how much of that comes from playing a lot of snaps and the offense not staying on the field. And it's probably a two-pronged issue that kind of goes back and forth and, you know, feeds off each other in that sense but was it was it anticipated to be this bad because you know you talked about Bo Nix leaving and the quarterback play and I felt like that was a little bit of a storyline heading into the season and I know there were some question marks particularly in the defensive line but were both lines anticipated to be this bad like how much worse than advertised well okay so this is an offensive line that was one of the more Experienced offensive lines right. in the conference, if not the country. Um, but losing center Nick Brahms started there. Um, you thought he was going to come back and he didn't. And that's a tough one in a couple of different ways because you got to wonder, would Auburn have found another center in the transfer portal? if? Because you know Brahms is going to start because he's been there forever. He knows the program. He knows it. You know what I'm saying? So in two centers, one of those positions, you don't really like to rotate the whole lot. You kind of want your center to be your center. Like pretty right. much every position you will probably rotate. You kind of want the center to be the center. It's kind of like a first baseman in baseball. You know, the quarterback, you kind of don't want to be messing with that too much. And so if you're a center coming in, you're most likely not going to play over Brom, so you, you may not come, okay? Now, that's not Nick's fault. It's just what happened. He got injured. You know what I'm saying? Right. So start there. Then you bring in Tate Johnson, who is, I think, 285, maybe 285. And, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, when they get this bull rush here, you can't do anything about it because you just don't have the size. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And then from there, he gets injured. Now you have to go get your right guard, put him at center. And so now, sure enough, you beef up your interior offensive line. But then, well, your defensive off, your excuse me, your exterior guys aren't very good. So, I mean, it's just a bad situation, man. And defensive line, you know, it, it just this hasn't really produced the way they thought they would. They also are missing Iku Leota. Um, He got injured the game before the Georgia game, and I think that's going to be a terrible loss for him. Uh, it's just tough, man. I mean, you know, injuries, lack of talent, just a lot of things now, sure. 
Are there things you can blame on Brian Harson? Yes, absolutely. Also, Auburn's problems go way back deeper than Brian Harson. Right. I mean, because this is a team who, look, back in the day, they used to regularly go to Athens and beat Jordan. They used to lead that series, okay? Similar to them being 13-2 against Ole Miss and Paul Hemingway or whatever iterations of stadiums have been in Oxford, right? Well, I mean, they're a 14-point dog. And ironically, the last team they beat, last ranked opponent Auburn beat was Ole Miss last year. And that was really a dropping off point for the Harson era, wasn't it? Because Auburn at that point was only like six, seven, and two. It felt like he kind of had things rolling. And I mean, it, it feels like the free fall has not stopped since that night. I know a lot of stuff has gone into it, but it's weird to think about that night juxtaposed to how bad it was, even just a few short weeks later. Well, well, here's the thing, right? Okay, so after that, and keep in mind the week before you beat Arkansas with KJ Jefferson and you beat them, you know, there. Um, then you come back and beat Ole Miss. Now, you had lost to Georgia. You lost to Penn State. But, you know, the Penn State loss was a close loss. A game Auburn probably should have won. Um, you know, a few things go right there. The Georgia loss, I could argue Auburn played Georgia tougher than any opponent they had other than Alabama last year. Absolutely. I mean, that first half, I'd say really to maybe like the first half and at least halfway through the third quarter, Auburn was right in that game. Now, eventually, Georgia wore them out as they do most people, but Auburn was in that game, all right? So, coming after the Ole Miss game, you're 6-2. and two, You're just beating the number 10 team in the country, okay? The next week, you go to Texas A&M, you lose out there, which, hey, that's a weird place out there, okay? I don't know if you've ever been to uh, College that Station. a very weird place, to put it mildly. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be polite, and I don't want none of them weirdos emailing me. <laughs> Uh, and there was some different. It's just a strange place, a tough place to play. And Auburn's situation is you have to, they have to like bus to Columbus, Georgia, which means you have to cross time zones. Then you have to fly over again, not making excuses, but these are just things that happen. You can justify that loss because road game, SEC, Texas A&M, pretty good team regularly. All right, and they were good last year to beat Alabama. You know, you can justify that loss. All right. You're up by 25 points against Mississippi State at half. Brutal. You're up 28-3. And, and you lose the game. Okay. Um, really, since I would say that point is when it fell off. Because then they the next week they lost to South Carolina, which Auburn just historically doesn't do. And that was not a good South Carolina team to lose that game. Then the following week, you have a chance to win the Iron Bowl. Probably should have won it. But you didn't, okay? You lose the bowl game, whatever. It's Houston. Um, Auburn had a bunch of players out with COVID, other injuries. All right, fine. You can live with that. Then comes the coup, okay? And I don't think people realize how far that coup has set things back. Let's just go ahead and get into that then. What like explain that like how bad that actually was. I think a lot of the listeners here, because we talked about it quite a few times about just kind of the dysfunctional Auburn booster culture. But for someone that covers the program, how does that actually come about? Like when is the first time you heard of like, oh, okay, there's some smoke here? Because it's it was at a weird time on the college football well, calendar. There was no real reason for it. It was they kind of did some mudslinging to put so it. This was right around the um this is right around the Singer Bowl. And I'll right. never forget, I was in Mobile for the Singer Bowl. It was week of the Singer Bowl. And now here's a funny background story, right? So the night before all this came out, 
Um, Harson had did this little talk. Um, it was him and Nick Saban, and, they, and they, they they do this thing every year at the Senior Bowl. They have the Alabama and the Auburn coach and do this thing. And I had a story ready to go over like the next couple of days about how well Harson had elocuted himself because he he really was like toe to toe with Saban. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like really had a good banter, an interesting conversation. Um, kind of got a little bit insight into Brian Harson as to who he is. I was like, oh, well, this guy maybe isn't the robot I think he is. He's kind of interesting. And right. again, he's trading barbs with Saban and he's holding on. He's holding on. So after that was over, uh, forgive me for being a little longer, but it's all going to tie in. No, no, it, there's no way to be short about this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after that thing was over, right? Um, he's standing outside. Um, not outside, like in the theater. Um, there in Mobile downtown. I don't know if you've ever been to it, but you know, it's like that main theater down there. Yeah. And so after it was like you hung out for like a good hour. Saban got the hell out of there. Cause I mean, you know, at, at this point in his career, you know, whatever. But like Harson's hanging around. I'll never forget that was this um the dad had an Auburn shirt on, the son had an Alabama shirt on, right? And so dad wanted to take a picture with Harson. And the son was kind of like, uh, and so I was like, Well, can I take a picture with his Alabama shirt? Oh, and he was like, Well, hey. I don't see Nick Saban anywhere around here. <laughs> you can come on and be an Auburn fan you want to. And not even 24 hours after that moment, all this chaos breaks out. So I wake up, uh, it's around like maybe seven-ish in the morning. You know, I'll, have you ever covered a single bowl? I've never been down there, no. Okay, so, you know, pretty much it's kind of like, the nights can get a little hectic because all the scouts are in town and assistant coaches and sure. Yeah. You know, those boys can put it on a little bit, you know what I'm saying? If, you, and if you're hanging out, you know, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> be careful with the podcast here, but uh, football people can knock them back a little bit. Okay. Oh yeah. And you know, it can, it, the night can go on. So anyway, once I wake up in the morning, I get a, a text from my editor um, asking me, have I heard anything about Brian Harson sleeping with a staffer? So it was that direct. That was the first thing you heard. Like that. Yeah, was- well, I mean, like you get the t- and again, like this is my, you know, editor. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, this isn't like scuttlebutt. This Not a message like, board guy being yeah, like no, no, this is an outsider, editor. it felt rumory. But to someone who's covering the team, like pr- that was the that was the first thing you heard about it. I'm surprised it was that direct that you heard about it that direct. Yeah, I mean, because at that point, I mean, it's already happening on the message boards, which I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't go on a lot of those. Right. If I was, I will say this. If I, if something from a message board gets to me, it's it, it probably out of hand. I probably need to go do some digging into it. Yeah. Because, you know, you know how. I mean, listen, I'm not knocking message boards. I think they're a wonderful place for people who like those kind of things. <laughs> There's just also a lot of stuff that gets said on those things that uh doesn't quite live to the same journalistic standard that I am held to. Yeah, absolutely. Because when, you know, when I wrote my the in, the in story of this, like, we had to go to our law firm. Like, every line had to be read bar by bar. Because, see, we could get sued. Sure. You know, I guess whatever message board, you know, Tiger for Life three three eight eight five with a fish, Abby. Um, you can't really assume because you don't know who the hell he is, right? And let's be honest, probably don't have any money anyway. But yeah, um, Alabama Media Group, yeah, we can get sued, right? And plus, too, I I actually like having integrity, so you know, I get the text, and now I'm having to ask sources. Hey, fam. Brian Hartson sleeping with one of his staffers. 
which is kind of an embarrassing question to have to. I lived through the Hugh Freeze era. It's not fun. That 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 text is never. That's never not awkward. There's not a non-awkward I mean, way to say like that. So that. But that's why like you said earlier, like being straight. That's why at that point you just got to be straightforward. Because I yeah. mean, like, there's no nice way to ask. So, so you just got to just rip the bandaid off. All right. It, it sucks, but this is what it is. Is the is there anything true? And I kept getting back, absolutely not. No. Hell no. No way. No how. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Which also goes to speak to some of the sexism in our society because, all right, yes, did Harson bring um, that the, the young lady? Which, by the way, I don't even want to mention her name because sure, no reason. Everything just wasn't true, and as far as I know, Auburn did a very thorough investigation, including you know checking phone records, things like that, and they couldn't find any evidence of anything. Okay, but it also kind of goes to show just how we are as a society. Because you assume that this pretty girl followed him from there, that means he has to be sleeping with her. Right. I mean, so he's not sleeping with any of the men he brought then, right? Well, the real point is, where did it come from? And how, like, on a scale, I, I don't know how to phrase this, but, like, was that just a kind of um, stunt to start getting the yeah. wheels in motion to fire him for cause? And, like, I. Absolutely. Now, so as far as crazy shit, that, that's nuts. Like, the, as far as who was yeah, and the thing is, you know, you get the usual suspects as to who might have been behind it, who might have, you know, did whatever, and, you know, it's difficult, man, because to this day, you know, I don't know who called the code red. I have ideas, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, this was a part of, if you can do this, you can fire them with cause. You don't have to pay the buyout. And we know what the buyout is. We know what they're paying Gus. You know, and other coaches from other sports, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, those buyouts get expensive, okay? And for the people who are looking at maybe Auburn going for Lane, well, that's going to cost some money, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? So my point is, yeah, I, I could get trying to save a dollar. But, Sam, like, when you go there, then that didn't work. So then you had the whole, well, he's racist thing. And that just didn't stick. And... Quite honestly, for me personally, I, I was insulted by it because it's like, I mean, be, this real because you you don't know if someone's racist, right? Right. I mean, there's don't mean, anything at the wall to hope it sticks, which is desperate as it is embarrassing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just got to the point which is desperate. Oh, well, you cheated on his wife with a staffer. Okay, well, that didn't work. Well, he's racist. Okay, that didn't work. Well, he's just an asshole. Well, now, can he be a little bit of, can he be a little bit prickly? Sure. But show me a football coach that isn't, okay? Right, like what's next after that? Like he's has a meth habit. Like what? Where do you go next? Like it just seemed like the the, the most desperate right. like thing one after another. Which, and, and, which clearly, even from an outside perspective, it began to devolve into a farce. It's like this. Yeah, is it just got ugly. Thing. And again, but this is also where like who's actually accountable for what's said and where it's said and how it's said right. and the motivation behind it. Because you know, hey man, look, every like journalism at its best is a beautiful craft that you know. Holds the powerful, you know what I'm saying? Holds the powerful accountable and helps the people who are less fortunate in this world. You know what I'm saying? Shed a light on things that are happening. And listen, this is big boy money football, okay? You know, this isn't, you know, your youth, you know, seven-year-old flag football. I mean, sure. you're talking about billions of dollars. You're talking about like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars made each weekend, right? All right, so all that being said, 
the money's there, the entries there. I mean, that's why we all do this, okay? We, we cover this because of everything that revolves around it. You want to be in the SEC, all right? I understand all that. But when it gets to the personal stuff, and it's not about what happens on the field, also keep in mind they had just hired Austin Davis as offensive coordinator. He leaves because of some personal issues. And by the way, I, I hope he's doing well. Um, I, you know, some of the things I had heard, which I, which I, which I didn't report because that's just personal. You know what I'm saying? This is like he left, he resigned, he realized that he couldn't, he needed to, to get some help. Okay. And I hope, but that hurts Harson because, you know, Davis is the one who recruits Zach Calzada. Okay. Maybe if Davis stays, maybe he goes different with Calzada. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's just so many things. And then so Davis leaves. And now you got to hire a new offensive coordinator while you're pulling a coup on your football coach. In a time where not many coordinators are looking to take other jobs and available, because it even plays to a larger thing now where you have all these college assistants leaving for the NFL for the better work-life balance. So your options are even more limited at a weird time. But to your point, like even it goes beyond like, I mean, you could create this web and we could talk for hours and hours about this whole saga. There's probably going to be you could write a book about this one day, but it started beyond that. Like, why did this happen at that time? Isn't it because he wasn't the Auburn kind of booster mafia's guy, right? Like Alan Green kind of stuck up for him and wanted to hire his guy and it worked. He won. Well, you know, guess who was well, not happy about that? The losing side. Like, that. that's really where this kind of all started, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, let's be real. Okay, when Alan, Alan Green put his chips on the table when he hired Brian Harsh, all right? The the rumor or the, the – and pretty much this is supposed to be confirmed. They wanted Kevin Steele. The people right. who wanted Kevin Steele wanted Kevin Steele. Now, what has Kevin Steele done since? I actually don't even know where he is. Is he with Gus? He's at Miami, I think. You know okay. what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. That's kind of the point. That's kind of exactly that's the point, right? So you, you went through all this hassle to get this guy you want, and what has he done since? Now it's different, like back in the day when they had a chance to hire Kirby Smart, and look at what Kirby's doing now. Okay, fine. This ain't that. Okay. Not knocking Kevin Steele, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yes, it was a coup to hire their guy, someone that would kind of toe the company line a little bit more. You Which, see it oh, all the time, but just not to that degree and that publicly. And that's also one of the greatest issues about Auburn, right? Yeah. It's like you you trip over your you-know-what so often, then you're mad you have a reputation for doing that. So I'm curious how – as they because this – this look, at that point, it might as well have been over, right? Like the, the things were never going to be the same. It feels like you're just playing out the string to this point. How do you think that's going to affect their ability to get a coach? Because normally I would just shrug it off and be like, look – it's SEC job. It's a great job. Fertile recruiting around all that stuff. But you're now seeing a time where, as I mentioned earlier, you have college coaches leaving for the NFL because they're like, oh, I can do this for five months and have a normal life and not have to recruit my own player. Yeah, recruiting, yeah. It's a 365-day thing. So it just seems like coaches are more aware of the bullshit they would have to put up with and not put up with. This is a different type of bullshit, but it's still – I feel like you'd be more wary in this day and age. How do you think that's going to affect them getting a caliber of coach that they're used to? I, I don't know. I mean, I really don't. And that's, I mean, because here's the thing, right? All going to spend the money now. They'll spend the money. And they have, I mean, okay, okay look. All going to spend the money. You have the resources. You have the geographical territory. You have a lot of advantages. Also, Auburn's a very easy place to get to. Yeah. Like from anywhere. You can fly to it. If you can get to Atlanta, you can get to Auburn. And Atlanta's a very easy place to get to, right? So, 
just keep going past 85, you're going to be at Auburn, all right? Which helps a lot. You're in the most photo recruiting ground in America, probably, or at least one of them. You have the ability to recruit nationally. You got all the resources. You got the alumni. You got everything. But you also got everything. And does someone want to deal with that? Um, I don't know, because here's the thing. People forget that Alabama had this period, you know, between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban. I was going to say, guess who stopped it? Mm-hmm. Like, people forget, like, after Stallings left, after, the you know, the probation and all that stuff, long time. Them hounds who had used to look funny in the light back then. <laughs> like, You're it's right. like, oh, this is... Yeah, but now it's cool again, right? But, but what I'm saying is, these things go in cycles, and and I think honestly, I think one of Auburn's problems is it's never hit rock bottom. It's you never think it maybe has to bottom. for them to learn because that actually was it might. with the NIL stuff. Look for Ole Miss for what it is. To their credit, their network of boosters is pulling in the same direction, and for what they're available to offer, they've actually been very organized and very on page. And I feel like now in this new age of college football. If you're not kind of organized from a booster culture standpoint of on point with the same message, trying to do the same thing, that can work to your detriment, even if you have the resources. Has that been evident at all in this day and age of NIL with that kind of dysfunction with the money people, for the lack of a better word? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's also an issue, right? Like, hey, who's putting in? Who's doing what? Are you putting in what you really can or are you not putting in because you don't like the coach? Right. And that's a tough and I don't know the answer to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like I get to see, you know, what goes in, what goes out. I don't know what's in those accounts. You know what I'm saying? But depending on who you talk to, Auburn maybe isn't offering as much as some other places. Now, now, would I want a kid who just chooses for the money? Probably not. But you got to be competitive. Sure. And I, and I don't I don't know if Auburn's competing in that market. I just don't know. At least not in football. Is there any world where this continues, right? I mean, like, does Harson feel like a dead man walking? What is the sense on a day-to-day basis? I imagine it has to be a little bit eerie because it seems like everyone knew kind of where this is headed before the season. The season has not gone well. Like, what is it like on a week-to-week basis? Are you surprised he's still the head coach today? And nothing surprised me at Auburn, man. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, listen, listen, and let me be very clear, man. Like, Auburn fans are wonderful people. By and large, I, I I have enjoyed getting to know some of them. Most of them are really cool who love their school. Okay. Hearts are in the right place. But also Auburn's unique in that everybody gets a say. And some people, quite honestly, shouldn't get to have an opinion. Just get the money, be quiet. Sure. <laughs> and that will always be an issue at Auburn until they fix it, until they get that, you know, I had always heard that. Bobby Louder was the guy who kind of ran it and kept everybody in line and, you know, had the final call and all that. You know, now you got the different factions. And it's hard to win. Like, it's like this, right? Like, the biggest difference between college and pro sports, I know who the owner is. There's no mystery. There's no layer of mystery to any of it. There's no layer of mystery. Like, I know, you know, um, the media group owns Atlanta Braves. Now, could the average Braves fan point out the guy who actually is the CEO of that media group? No, but you, you know who. Google him. I'm not sure you can necessarily Google who's you know running the Auburn deal, right, and get a straight answer. 
Exactly. I mean, I mean, it's the same with any school, but Auburn in particular. Yeah, exactly. College sports. Yeah, because of the whole machinations, it makes it worse. But yeah, like I, I know the Steinbrenner family owns the Yankees, and ultimately, when there is time to be accountable, that's who's accountable. I don't know who's accountable at all. And until they figure that out, especially in today's time, as you said earlier with the NIL, the transfer portal, all these things happening, alignment is more necessary than ever. It just is. It is essential. And until Auburn gets a lot, look, if they're going to fire Harson, they're going to fire. All right? That ain't going to solve any problems. That's not going to change the fact that you have an offensive line, all those that already isn't exactly very good statistically. Both of them are leaving. Fire Brian Harson ain't gonna change that. Right. Fire Brian Harson ain't gonna change the fact you hadn't gone, you haven't been able to go to Athens since 2005 and win. Or that what Georgia's won what 17 of the last 20 games in that series. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's a series that Auburn used to be very neck and neck in. All right. And that's who Auburn measures itself against. Georgia, Alabama, and LSU, really. I mean, if you look at Auburn historically, their rivals, that is how the Auburn coach is ultimately judged by those three games. And, of course, you want to win, but those three are big. All right? And look at what you're doing. So, to, to answer your question, is there a path for Brown Harsh to keep his job past the season? Sure, there's a path to it. Do I think it's realistic? Probably not. But, yeah, if Auburn can find a way to go to Oxford and beat Ole Miss, then – you don't really fire them with the bye week, but if they get smoked against Ole Miss, which is very possible, when I look at Jackson Dart, I look at what Ole Miss does on offense and on defense, it's very possible I can go down, go over there and get embarrassed. All right. Do you fire them then at the bye week? I don't know. I mean, I really don't. But if you let them go through the season, do you see enough in recruiting to justify keeping? Again, I don't know. Right. Why is Tank Bixby not getting the football more? I mean, you can give it to him all you want to, but what, what, what's he going to do when he's getting hit a, a yard right. behind the line every time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's what it seems like. Because I saw his, like, average yards per carry, and I've seen that kid run for a couple years, and it's like this is this is clear. I mean, that's the most glaring offensive line stat might be his yards per carry. Robbie Ashford, former Ole Miss commit. That was actually kind of a big deal when he committed to Ole Miss during the Matt Luke era. Boy, that seems like a long time ago. He's thrown 38 times in the last two games. And I get last week they started trailing. I get it. But they weren't necessarily trailing for much of the game against LSU. He's a great athlete. The knock on him was always kind of accuracy. But he's he can run. He's a very efficient runner. He seems to have great good vision running. He's still a young-ish player in that sense. I asked someone this last night when I was doing a podcast with, like, my usual co-host. Like, do you feel – because he used to be in recruiting. Do you feel bad for him at all? Because this seems like a, a, a situation that could stunt his development. Do you feel differently? Because – I, this just seems like a no-win situation for him. How do you have I mean, how he plays? When you don't have the offensive line, man, it's hard. And listen, maybe Auburn's best – I mean, he let, he was Auburn's leading rusher last week. He had 50 yards. Now, Georgia didn't record a sack, but a lot of that was because Ashford just threw the ball away. Right. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't got anything. Okay, let me dump it. Let me dump it. Let me dump it. All right? So, even like he was 13 to 38, but – Seven of those were throwaways. Nobody was open. He didn't have a running lane. He had to get rid of the ball, so he didn't take the sack. The other times he didn't get sacked. Hey, nobody's open. Let me just run. 
I mean, maybe you do some more design runs. I don't know. But I guess as far as the development goes, it's, it's tough. I mean, but, you know, this is also what it is. This is where you are and, you know, the situation. I mean, because I remember he didn't play at Oregon. And then his senior in high school, if I'm correct, he had an injury, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he really hasn't played a lot of football in the last three years. This is a perfect way to close the podcast. Hugh Freeze on the Plains, disaster or success? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> man. I don't know. I wish they could have seen the look he just gave me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> man, I – it would feel similar to Ole Miss. Wouldn't it be kind of like I feel like it could be awesome for like three years, then something terrible would happen. And I don't even mean football wise. Like I no, that, I know. I just don't. I mean, listen. If part of why you wanted to fire Harsh is because he allegedly slept with a staffer, you're gonna go hire Hugh Freeze. Exactly. <laughs> but does it matter? Does being hypocritical matter at that point? Like, I mean, it depends on matters to who. Because it'll matter to recruits. True. It'll matter to other coaches you hire. Yeah, sure, to the fans who or to the people who like you freeze. And there are some boosters who like freeze who probably feel like maybe I'm saying this carefully, who probably feel like they maybe could have more influence. Yeah. Oh maybe. yeah. You know, just, yeah. Yeah, and I'm done again. I'm trying to say no, this. no, no. I know everyone knows where you. I, I, look, I, the, these most of these people listening lived through the Hugh Freeze years. They yes, uh, yeah. I mean, you is, know, yeah. and hey, man, like look, I would. I mean, listen, Hugh Freeze on how to recruit all that. I mean, can it work? Yeah, but like I said, I, Auburn's problems with the football team go way beyond who the head coach is. Which, in that sense, would feel like pouring gasoline on the fire, would it not? I mean, yeah, but then, hey, who knows? Maybe he gets a bunch of guys in, maybe hits the portal. You know, you don't got you don't really got to cheat anymore. Although people are still cheating, whole other conversation there. But you don't have to cheat anymore, you know, to give a kid some money. So you could make it work. I mean, I just don't know, man. I, I think they'd be better off going a lot of other different directions than Hugh Freeze. That's just me. But, hey. Maybe I'm wrong and I have to cover the guy. So, you know, again, try to be careful what I say there, man. Because yeah. <laughs> now I got to cover the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, I mean, <laughs> oh, listen, man, I'm just glad that I don't get paid based upon how Auburn does on the field every day. Absolutely. Cheers to that. Dubias Wilborn, this was terrific, man. I really enjoyed it. I kept you longer than I told you, but I really enjoyed this. And, uh, you know, drink a beer or two. You you deserve one covering this beat every now and again, but I appreciate the time, my man. Hey, man. Thank you, brother. All right. That was Dubias Wilborn. Really entertaining. Never talked to him before. Uh, I really just reached out about an hour and a half before uh, we started recording, and he was ready to go. Uh, really appreciate it. Nice guy. Super plugged in, as you could tell from that interview, and really appreciate his time, as always. Um, now we're going to get to fresh cuts before we do actually Greg needs no introduction he's about to tell you what's going on at the store go get something at LB's it is absolutely delicious already gotten several pics of people making their weekend stop at LB's you should do the same so here is Skybox Sports Picks and LB's Greg with our weekly fresh cut picks all right welcome into another edition of fresh cuts we got LB's Greg on the other end of the line as always check about LB's University Avenue in Oxford how are we feeling my man Oh, always good, man. We're ready for this weekend, and uh, a lot of people are in town already. So, yeah, uh, ready for a big weekend. 
there are a lot of people in town. It's kind of crazy with the way this home schedule is set up. There's really, I mean, there's two more home games after this, but there's really only one more just because the Egg Bowl, particularly on Thanksgiving night, is always so unique. Like it doesn't feel like a normal game weekend, not necessarily in a bad way, but it's just different holiday season, people out of work, and crazy how fast it goes. Yeah, it goes real quick. You know, um, uh, we always wait for football season, and it just seems like it goes so quick and uh, just just soaking it in. But, yeah, um, man, if we can run the table and be undefeated and that Alabama weekend should be an absolute monster. That should be an absolute monster. I know you all had a great deal of success. Uh, busy weekend that uh, that, that uh, Kentucky weekend. Hopefully we can repeat it. But I feel like that Alabama one, again, as you mentioned, should all miss it undefeated or hell even one loss heading into that weekend that one uh that one should get pretty nuts yeah but uh you know you got to get through the uh the, the this little first little gauntlet first but uh but yeah i like the rebels chances as always uh we'll hit the college picks with skybox sports picks riding along and then you and i'll wait in the nfl by ourselves they got a couple of free plays for us on either side of uh both college and the professional ranks uh before we get into the records and get into this week's picks uh, what's going on at the store? What do we got? Uh, what we got uh, popping there at LB's? Uh, just got done making all the sausage. Um, my sausage maker decided that he did not want to work at LB's anymore. So um, um, me, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, got to make to about 150 pounds of sausage this week. So made some awesome um, uh, harvest apple. They uh, put some uh, Oktoberfest in the uh, harvest apple. So kind of got a little Oktoberfest theme going for the harvest apple and then put uh, a, an ice cold uh, Budweiser in the Swayze sausage. So um, got some, can't go wrong with beer, bacon, cheese and jalapeno. And then um, did the flying pig, which is a uh, pork and duck fat. And uh, it's awesome. So yeah, we're ready to go. Is that a 21 and up sausage? Like are people getting wasted eating this stuff? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't have the card, but, uh, I, I guess I need to check with, uh, ABC before I uh, let people know that, um, I'm selling sausage with, uh, 12 ounces of beer, uh, in it. So, um, hope, hopefully I don't get slapped on the hand for that. That's a good point. I mean, you got little Timmy running around through his cookout or the Grove or wherever they're cooking the sausage. And all of a sudden he's just stumbling around. It's like, well, who put what in his milk? It's like, actually, this was the, uh, this was the Oktoberfest sausage. <laughs> oh, I've never had Oktoberfest, but I had it in a sausage at LB's. Oh, you're not 21. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're four. Um, <laughs> I, can see, I can see how it affects you a little more drastically. Let's, uh, Check them out, though. Delicious sausages, as always, and everything else. They had some filet burgers a couple weeks ago. They were absolutely terrific. Highly recommended as we uh, have a perfect weekend of football weather, one, but also grilling weather. So certainly fired up about that. Let's get into the picks. Last week in college, you paced the field at 6-3, and three, but we all had it above 500 week at 5-4. and four. Skybox also at 5-4. and four. I'll do our weekly reminder that these are Skybox free picks that allow you to I, – us two idiots to just kind of hang around and pretend like we're uh, hanging with the nerds. But, uh, hey, they went five and four last week. Imagine what their paid picks are doing. I'll uh, give you a hint. Pretty damn good. They're at 60% on college football on the year. Um, you've had some weird results mixed in there. So uh, if you're tired of losing money out there, you should uh, hit up Skybox. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's what they're that's what they're there for. And that's what the, that's what you need to take advantage of, of uh, the smartness and the uh, the trends that go up instead of down. Absolutely. We are all trending upward. I'm feeling a good week this week. Let's just get right into the picks. Well, uh, where do we want to start? Let's start off in Big Ten country. We've got Michigan minus seven at home 
against Penn State. I'm not really sure how good Michigan is. I know they play really good defense. The offense seems competent enough. They've had a couple weird results mixed in, but like one of them was like a Maryland team that I think is actually pretty good. Again, I just I don't necessarily buy Michigan as a I, look. If they run the table, one loss, they're probably getting into the playoff. But that that stain of Georgia's playoff last year just really is going to be hard to erase. Uh, they could become the new Notre Dame where they just get into the playoff and they're not competitive. But more props to them. I wanted to lean Penn State here, but I just can't do it. I don't think Penn State is that good. For some reason, they're getting all sorts of credit for beating Auburn at Auburn. Uh, and you, I mean, people who keep up with the SEC here uh, know exactly what uh, the state of Auburn's affairs are currently. So I'm going to go Penn State minus the seven to kick this off. I just think they're, or excuse me, Michigan minus seven to kick this off. I just think they're a lot better than Penn State. And I don't trust Penn State on the road. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a decent game. I mean, you know, like I said, uh... The, the when you were mentioning Michigan, you know, if they run the table, they get in the playoff. But um, didn't Alabama skull drag them, you know, in a in a playoff game also or no? Oh no, that was Harbaugh's first time in the playoff. Alabama drugged them, I believe, in one of those like preseason showcase, not preseason showcases, one oh, of those yeah, like, yeah. non-conference games early in the year. It was not competitive. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, and, it, and it's just like I said, um, I, I I think it's going to be a decent decent game. I think a field goal does it, so I'm just going to take the points here and then and let Harbaugh prove me prove me wrong. Skybox is on Michigan minus seven as well, so Greg fade in the curve. Both of us to start this one. I uh, I don't hate that pick. I just I, I again I don't know these Big Ten games. I got to pretend like I watch a ton of Big Ten football, <laughs> unless it's a, a marquee game and there's not much SEC on. Let's uh. Let's go to the Big 12 before – excuse me, before we get into the uh, SEC games. Let's go to Texas. They destroyed Oklahoma last week in the Red River Showdown there in South Dallas. Um, had State Fair going on, old stadium. I've always heard that game is really cool. Well, this past game was not entertaining, uh, if anything else. They absolutely destroyed them. Jeff Levy's offense, backup quarterback, not looking too great. Um, probably shouldn't have made the comments that they're better off at quarterback than they were last year when, you know, he had uh, Matt Corral, who was uh, pretty good. But be that as it may, Oklahoma's hurting in a bad way. Texas is hosting Iowa State this week, and it is Texas minus 14. Where you got to lean here? I'm going to go Iowa State. I, you know, just think that's a lot of points. Maybe I might be wrong. Iowa State play, playing some decent ball. I mean, I know it's not earth-shattering or groundbreaking, but – you know, they're a decent club, well-coached, so uh, I'm just going to take the points here. I kind of want to do that, too. I just don't know how good Iowa State is. They've got, you know, a win over Iowa, which isn't saying much, and they've played close games, right? They lost a three-point game to Kansas, lost one-point game last week to Kansas State. I'm going to take uh, I'm gonna take Texas here just because it's at home. Seems like they're playing pretty good football off the bat. Uh, Skybox is on Texas as well, so – I'm agreeing with the nerds um, so far through this uh, through this game, or excuse me, through this slate so far. But uh, a lot of ones, a lot to go ahead. Let's uh, let's get into the SEC. We've got State Kentucky. This game is in Lexington. This line has moved all the way over the place, all the way from three points to nine points, and now back to four points. As we sit here today, at the, Sky, the line that Skybox gave us, we use them for their lines. Um, they, it is Mississippi State minus four in Lexington. This is a stay away of all stayaways to me. I don't know if Will Levis is going to play. I would assume the line moving back to four would insinuate that he might. But at the same time, I don't know if a Kentucky team with Will Levis 
should be four points underdog at home to really anybody, particularly Mississippi State, who I think is actually pretty good. I guess my point being is I don't have any feel for this. I wouldn't play this game. But uh, do you have a lean on this one? Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a uh, – man, you know, like I said, Will, Will Levis is definitely the X factor because they're a totally different team with him on the field. I'm, I'm just going to take the home dog here at, with the Kentucky. And, you know, who knows with the, uh, Mississippi State what you get. You know, they should have won LSU. They should be undefeated. But, you know, um, they, uh, they can uh, prove a point here and uh, beat Kentucky on the road. They might have a shot, you know, to – you know, at a, at a at a New Year's Day bowl or something like that, but I, I like Kentucky though. I'm going to eventually learn not to pick against Mississippi State, but I'm going to take Kentucky here in this spot too for two reasons. One, last week this isn't even a good like count. I, this isn't even a good add to my argument, but last week was so bad for Kentucky. I mean, even with a backup quarterback, you can't beat a South Carolina team who's one not that talented, two not very dynamic offensively, and three doesn't really have a pass rush. And I thought their game planning was atrocious. I was. Really stunned. I, I talked about this with Weldon on the Wednesday show and how just terrible that game went for them. And I, I that was a big loss for the Mark Stoops era, right? I mean, if you're one loss in the SEC, I mean, you can get to that Georgia game and just say, hey, look, we'd had a chance to, you know, win the East. I don't think they would have any real shot at beating Georgia. Don't get me wrong. But like now at two losses, like their season's kind of in shambles, like in terms of the aspirations they had to maybe contend for an SEC Eastern Division title. And it comes at home against a bad South Carolina team. I guess my argument is just the fact Levis, whether he plays or not, I just have a hard time Kentucky thinking Kentucky is going to throw two consecutive duds like that in a row. I, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I'm going to take the points here as well. I don't love the line, but uh, Mississippi State has had some trouble with the air raid against Kentucky, particularly I know that 2020 COVID year, they've had like six turnovers and lost the game like 24 to two or something strange, whatever that game was. So I'll take Kentucky here. Skybox is on Mississippi State, which – I think is probably the right play if you're going to when it all boils down to it. I just, again, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing Kentucky's going to throw two consecutive duds in a row, but I guess we shall see. So you and I are on Kentucky. Skybox is taking, is laying the points on the road with Mississippi State. Probably the game of the week we're going to get to next. It is Bama, Tennessee. Everyone loved to make the third Saturday jokes in October for about a decade and a half there, right? Because why did they get special treatment? Why did they get to play this game third weekend of October and screw up the schedule when this game and this rivalry has not really been competitive for the better part of 15 years? I think that's changing because Tennessee is clicking on all cylinders. They destroyed a bad LSU team in Knoxville last, or excuse me, in Baton Rouge last weekend, really took over that stadium. Their offense is really good. I think their defense is actually a little bit scrappier than maybe some of the numbers would suggest. Neil and Chase and everyone in Neil's picks, and look, they, they are doing way better than me. Let's not let's, let's not get it twisted here. But they seem to think this is a trap. This is Alabama disrespected, even though they're all, by being only favored by a touchdown, and that they reestablish themselves as, uh, you know, that dominant force. I just – I don't know. I just – I think Tennessee looks really good, and I've seen Alabama, even with Bryce Young. I don't know if he's going to play. I would say the line would suggest that he probably is, but we'll see game-time decision with that shoulder injury. They were gettable with Bryce Young, and I actually think Kentucky might win this football game. Now that I say that, Alabama's going to win by 20 points, but I I'm going to take Kentucky in the points. I'm not going to do the whole money line thing, but it would not shock me at all if Tennessee won this football game, which would be – uh, not to mention huge for Ole Miss's SEC West aspirations, but uh, that's neither here nor there for now. I'm going to take Tennessee here. I really like them. I don't think this is a trap. Yeah, I mean, I think it should be a really good game. I mean, um, 
Whew. I mean, it's it's hard to take bet against Alabama, and it's uh, and whenever you get a, a spread, you know, like seven. But you know, Alabama looks beatable. Uh, you know, I think Texas shouldn't have beat them, and uh, they're just not the you know your mom and pop Alabama. But not not taking away anything from Nick Saban and that crew. But I, I just man, I I can't see it, and I just uh, I have to have to uh, have to lose the money um, for me to to believe it. So I'm going to take Alabama. I just think the uh, it's just there. Um, it's it's not there yet for Tennessee, and I could be proved wrong uh, this Saturday, and uh, I would, I'd like to lose money on it for sure. So you're uh, you're not buying it either, and uh, spoiler, neither is Skybox. They are taking the Alabama minus seven. I think you'll probably be able to get this line at seven and a half by the time you're listening to this. Just a hunch. So they're not uh, they're not buying it either, which uh, probably tells me that everyone else is right. I just have a hunch. I don't know why, but we uh we'll see. How that one turned I mean, out. I'm looking forward to getting done with the old Miss game and watching that one. That'll be must see TV. Yeah, I'm and I'm uh, keep on thinking of the the Tennessee fan with the tattoo and did the rap. I just I can't I can't do it. So that's why I'm going with Alabama. <laughs> that's uh, that will be a raucous environment in Neyland. And you know, as much as we've loved to make fun of Tennessee not being relevant for the last uh, 15, 20 years or so, you got to give Josh Heupel a lot of credit for them even just being in this spot with. Uh, Kind of the mess he inherited, not necessarily from a talent standpoint, but the whole NCAA thing, Pruitt being so incompetent. He's done a hell of a job. That offense is one uh, one fierce machine. But we'll see how it turns out. Um, and it just go, it goes to show you, the you know, when you make the right coaching hire, what happens, you know. It, it doesn't matter, you know, um, what what kind of football team you have. If you make the right hire, he, he can make the, the right moves and get your team in the, in the right situation. I think he's done a really good job with it. And as uh, and it, as we've talked about a couple of times, it's not always the obvious guy, right? I mean, the the Scott Frost seemed like slam dunk hire. The Chip Kelly seemed like a slam dunk hire. Like it's not always the ones you think it is, right? I mean, the the you know Danny uh, Danny White brings over Heupel from UCF when he takes the uh, Tennessee AD job. People were pretty underwhelmed by the hire, and I get it for good reason. What right bring your group of five coach over? But that was a weird time of the year uh to be searching for a coach Tennessee didn't have a ton of options and it just goes to show you you never really know like it, these these coaching hires that are a crapshoot do your homework hire who you think's the right guy and then after that you just really never know how this is going to work out particularly in the modern day and age of college football and the uh, ever growing impatience that people have uh, you don't really get 3 4 years to build a program anymore so uh, he's done a pretty good job that's going to be an awesome game i can't wait to get back toward the grove and uh watch that one somewhere Let's uh let's keep it in the SEC, but a weird matchup. I'm not really sure how this came about or why, but we're at the third week in October, and Arkansas is going to is it Provo? Where is BYU? I don't. It doesn't matter. Mormon. Yeah, it's Provo. Wherever that is, they're playing BYU on the road, um, and it is Arkansas minus three, which would tell me that KJ Jefferson is probably playing. I won't make this complicated. I credit BYU for being able to schedule the way they have. They've played what? Oregon, Notre Dame. They've played. That's really about it. Then they got Arkansas as well, but that's three pretty big time opponents there. Um, and they they lost to Oregon. They lost to Notre Dame. Oh, and they beat Baylor. That Baylor was the other one I was missing. So a big boy schedule for Notre, uh, a BYU team that I think is pretty good. I'm just not going to make this complicated. I think Arkansas has way more talent. I don't think they're going to have much of an answer for K.J. Jefferson. And I think the Hogs get right this week after what's been a pretty emotionally wrecking stretch for this football team um, over the last three weeks, starting with the A&M game all the way to having to go play Mississippi State, 
with a backup quarterback last week. So I like this as a get-right week for Arkansas. I'm going to take them minus the three. Yeah, I think Arkansas is just a little bit more on the physical side better and uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, I know that, you know, the Alabama game, that kind of got beat up and KJ didn't play the second half. And, you know, they were kind of in that game uh, whenever uh, Bryce Young went down and just it is what it is. But I just think Arkansas is just too better across the board. So we'll take Arkansas here. Oh, I screwed this up. This is Arkansas plus three and is now dropping yeah, plus yeah. one. I, I yeah. said minus three. I would have laid Arkansas in the points. I'm definitely taking them plus three. I, I screwed this up. I'm sorry. Arkansas plus three. BYU is favored by three. Um, I'll just go Arkansas money line. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I see it's a safe play. I mean, you'll probably get, you know, probably $25 back on 100. So, yeah, I mean, I'd take that instead of uh, giving up juice to win. Man, I'm not, I guess I can't necessarily be stunned at the fact that Arkansas is, um, is, is an underdog to a pretty good BYU team on the road. But, man, if Arkansas loses this game, that's four losses in a row. They've got Auburn, Liberty, LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri left. That That's not the easiest path to six wins. Whatever you think of Auburn, it's still on the road. They get a bye week in between. But that 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 quickly becomes, is Arkansas the frisky team in the West this year to do they make a bowl game? And they've kind of had the year from hell from an injury standpoint. Their secondary sucks as is. But – this is a weirdly important game for Arkansas just from like a morale standpoint because, as I just outlined, if they lose this one, I think that path to get to six wins gets kind of difficult. I, it got got very weird in a hurry. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, kind of in the saddle for being contention in the West, you know, and that loss to Texas A&M kind of set them back a little bit. But, um, yeah, tough road to get six wins. And, you know, just be, be – uh, you know, got to give Sam Pittman, you know, some credit. You know, he's done real good with the program. So, I, I don't see any hot seat action over there right now for him at all. No, nah, just one of those years kind of in the middle where you have some weird things happen and you have a dip. Ar- uh, B- excuse me, Skybox is on Arkansas plus three as well. So, we're heavy on the Arkansas train there. Let's go to the same line, different place. We're going to go to uh, Gainesville, where is Florida and t- uh, LSU. It is a – what is this kickoff? I'm going to see if LSU fans have complained about an 11 a.m. kick this week because apparently they're just immune to playing 11 a.m. kicks. I still haven't really figured that one out. I mean, you would have thought someone, like, walked in and shot Mike the Tiger last week, and that was announced. This is a 6 p.m. kick, so congrats to the LSU fans for getting their rightful night kickoff, even though it's on the road. Uh, it is LSU plus three. A lot of action on LSU. A lot of people on LSU. I think everyone else in Neil's picks is on LSU. I don't really see it. I don't think Florida's great. I like Anthony Richardson in this kind of spot where, you know, slight favorite at home. I don't really love him when he's having to cover double-digit points as a favorite. Um, I just don't really know what LSU does well. I think Jaden Daniels can run okay. I don't understand his ability or not ability to throw the football. I don't think that's proper grammar, but, you know, whatever. Um, I'm going to go Florida here. I just think they're a lot better. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I like Florida here too also. I mean, you know, just the swamp at night, um, just LSU. Man, I, it's kind of kind of funny. I uh, was watching the LSU Tennessee game, and I took a live bet on the first half minus fourteen and a half on the LSU Tennessee, which ended Ooh. up, yeah, turned out to be good. But you know, um, you know, the, uh, it, it, they were up. Let's see, it was like twenty to seven. It was twenty to seven, and and um, LSU was driving, and they were about to kick a field goal. Instead, they go for it. Tennessee gets a sack and they kick a field goal and it's 23-7. And then they interview uh, Brian Kelly and like, and he says, we got to coach better. I I have a real bad problem with that. Whenever he can himself you know, off, probably his assistants too. 
you know, I just don't understand that. I mean, we got to coach better. I mean, you, that's a basic play call. You just, you know, you're down 20 to seven, you know, you, instead of kicking a 50 some odd yard field goal, just punt it down to the one, you know, take it down. You get the ball at second half. You're, you're 20 to 20 to 14, uh, you know, 20 to 14 back in the game. Instead, it's 23 to seven, you know, and you three and out and the game's gone. So I just have a real bad problem with coaches saying that we got to coach better and we got to, you know, do that sort of thing. And uh, I just don't appreciate that because they're getting paid lots of money to, you know, to not make comments like that. So I think Florida rolls them. That one cracks me up. I didn't see that interview, but that reminds me of like the uh, the the scene from the campaign where Cam Brady makes the lewd phone call on the answer machine. He's like, this is unacceptable. We cannot have this. And they're like, Senator, you're the one that made the call. It's like, I've made 10,000 calls in my life and 100 of them in, inappropriate. What is that, 1%? I will take those odds any day of the week. Yeah, I just, I just don't understand how a coach, a coach getting paid millions of dollars in an interview, and the first thing he says is, "We got to coach better." I mean, um, I don't. I, that's a head scratcher for me. Are you on Florida? Then is that what it yeah, sounds? Yeah, I'm like? all over Florida. I love Florida. I think Florida roll them up. I think so too. Skybox does not. Skybox is on LSU this week, so uh, I don't know. We'll see. Last one. We got Clemson minus four. They are playing Florida State at Florida State. I believe I'm going to make sure this game is in Tallahassee and that I have that right before just uh, blindly spouting off another uh, wrong one. Yeah, this is in Tallahassee. Florida State was kind of rolling four and one um, on the year. They gave away a game at NC State last week where they really controlled it for the entirety. That was one of those where I looked at the score app and I was like, wait a minute, what do you mean they lost? Like they were in control of that game for about three quarters and it just really got away from them in the second half. This is going to be an interesting one. I'm not ready to trust Florida State quite yet. I do think they're a pretty competitive football team. I think they're much better under Mike Norvell this year than they have been the last couple of years. I just think the Clemson defense is really good. I don't love Florida State's offensive line. And, uh, you know, if this were seven or so, I could probably convince myself into Florida State. But uh, I just can't do it yet. So I'm going to take Clemson in the points on the road. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I like Clemson here, too. Uh, you know, I know that. Um, Clemson's not Clemson, and uh, but yet they, you know, st steadily covering spreads and you know winning ball games. So I'm going to go with Clemson also. Yeah, I should have said Clemson laying the points as well. I'm taking Clemson minus four. Skybox is on Clemson as well, and that's going to round out our college football picks for this week. The college free oh, uh, do do the um do the TCU Oklahoma State game. That's oh, I missed that one. Giving it to Skybox. I knew I missed one game this week. It felt a little light, and I went through the schedule and I just didn't catch that one. I was like. I feel like there's one more that I'm missing here. Great yeah, that's ball. a good. That's going to be a really good football game, I think. That's going to be an awesome football game. We'll just go to it in Fort Worth. TCU minus four currently. What do you got to lean here? I, I'm just going to take Oklahoma State and the points. I think this is a field goal game. I just think that you know both teams are very similar. The offenses are very similar. Um, you know, I just I just think it's a field goal game, and I think it's going to be a really good game. And I would never, you know, kind of said that about a Big Twelve matchup and especially not being involved with Oklahoma or Texas. So I'll, I think Oklahoma State in the points here, and I just think it's going to be a really good game. Sonny Dykes got it rolling in year one over there in Fort Worth after he makes the trek down uh, I-30 from Dallas and uh, SMU last year. I'm going to go TCU. They're a good football team. I picked against them last week against Kansas. That was a push by the time the game, the ga uh, the line was where the line was at the game. It was five in Neil's pick, so I, of course, lost because that's what I do. 
in Neil's picks. But uh, Max Duggan, been really good. I like Oklahoma State's football team as well. I'm just going to take the home team here, and I'll lay the four. I'm kind of like you. I think it's probably around the field goal game. Uh, I wish this thing was at three, but I'm still going to trust TCU uh, at home there, minus four. No pick from Skybox there because, uh, well, I didn't give them the game. So uh, we'll ride on our own on that one as well. Uh, we Before we get to the NFL, we do have Skybox's uh, free college free plays. They're going to take Vandy plus 38, and they're going to go with the Clemson FSU over. So their free plays this week are Vandy plus 38, Clemson LSU, or excuse me, Clemson FSU over 51. So that is Skybox's uh, free plays in college of the week. And now we will transition, as the great Mike Francesa once said, to the league where they play for pay. And we're going to transition into the NFL. Uh, coming off just another doozy of a Thursday night game, Washington wins 10-7 or 12-7 last night over the Chicago Bears in another game that's going to make your eyes bleed coming off that terrible Colts-Broncos game the week before. Um, I didn't watch a ton of this. I had to go pick MC up at the airport, got home about nine, watched toward the end of the game. Not a whole lot uh, Not a whole lot surprised me, just a terrible, terrible football game. You know, someone I saw on Twitter made a good point. I love the NFL. I like watching it a little bit more than college football. Not a knock on college. I just really enjoy both of them, and I'll take the NFL. But someone I thought made an interesting point that I saw on Twitter, which is rare, uh, they mentioned that bad college football is a lot of fun. Bad NFL football is just hard to watch on the eyes. And I thought that was like, actually, that's really true. Bad NFL football can be really, really tough to watch. Or bad college football is just kind of hilarious and fun sometimes. But uh, whatever. That's uh, Amazon's problem, not ours. I don't know what they're going to do about making these Thursday night games better. But, uh, hey, I didn't pay you know a billion bucks for a Thursday night football game because uh, I don't have the cash flow. But uh, best of luck to them on that one. Where do we want to start here? Let's go Bucks Steelers. We've got Steelers plus eight and a half at home. Tampa coming off a win over Atlanta last week where they kind of escaped after taking control of that game early. Steelers absolutely blasted by Buffalo. I think the Steelers are uh, in the running for the worst team in the National Football League. This is a ton of points. This is a stay away of all stay aways for me. But, uh, you know, we don't do that here on this show. I guess I'll lay the points with Tom Brady minus eight and a half. I just think that Bucks defense is good. Kenny Pickett, talk about two tough defenses to start your NFL career against uh, Buffalo and uh, Tampa. Uh, good luck, kid, on that one. Play hard. I'll take Tampa here, I guess. I just, after what take, seeing the, the Steelers last week, when they, that game, there was a 14-point line, and it was like 38-3 to at one point. Felt like a college game, speaking of. I just I, I can't take the Steelers. I think they're one of the worst two three teams in the NFL. So I'll take the Bucks. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to agree with you on the Bucks. Uh, it just man, the Steelers just. Whew, I mean, uh, and plus after uh, the um, what was it the uh, roughing the quarterback call that you know yeah, Tom Brady brutal. you know kind of got bear hugged and just kind of you know rolled around and uh, so I think they'll take care of Tom Brady and uh, I think the Bucks will win by ten points. So let's go with the Bucks here. All right, we got the uh, got the Bucks starting off just laying a huge line on the road in the NFL. That uh, always works out well. We got uh, Bengals Saints at noon. This will be a scrappy one. The Bengals coming off a uh, head scratching loss, a tough one uh, at on Sunday Night Football last week against the Ravens, and what's going to end up being an important divisional game. You know, you don't remember these games in October, but those divisional games count just the same as the ones they're going to play at the end of the year. Uh, the Bengals fell to two and three. Saints get a win over a frisky Seattle team where Geno Smith has played really, really well. Just uh, they have no defense, which is unfortunately for him. But his numbers for a guy that went from starter to backup are, are staggering. You don't really see this kind of resurgence this often. So credit to him. But the Saints escape with a win. It is the Saints plus two at home against Joe Burrow, Louisiana's favorite adopted son. 
coming into New Orleans. Probably a lot of Burrow LSU jerseys in that one. That would be an interesting crowd dynamic, to say the least. Uh, I'll let you go. These are your Saints. You got to lean here. Yeah, I mean, I like the Saints here. I mean, you know, I know that the uh, Joe Burrow is going to come back, and you'll see a lot of LSU, you know, Burrow jerseys. Which, if I if I was going to the game, I, I don't know. I would. I, I just don't agree with the LSU Burrow jerseys at the Saints game for the Bengals. So, um, you know, you support your team, and whenever a, uh, one of your favorite players happens to go to LSU and he's not on the Saints. You know, uh, you you go towards the Saints. So uh, I'm going to the Saints, and I hope the Saints win by like 14, two, three or four touchdowns. That's 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 how I feel about it. There we go. I'm going to go uh, a Bengals here. I just think they're a good football team that has had some weird luck. I think they're uh, not necessarily the greatest coach in terms of decision making. Zach Taylor, some head scratching decisions last week in that loss to uh, Baltimore. But I do think the Bengals are still a playoff team. Where no offense to the Saints, I just don't see they're very good. Um, I don't, it's not a Jameis thing. It's not an Andy Dalton thing. It's just Dennis Allen was a bad coach when he was at Oakland. The Saints don't seem like a well-coached team to me. So I'm going to go with the Bengals here. Could be wrong about that one, but uh, I, I just think Cincinnati's much better. I think they really need this game. So I'm going to take the Bengals on that one. Here's a doozy. Big AFC South matchup. I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Colts-Jags. It is the Colts who somehow got to 2-2-1 two, two, and one last week after surviving uh, basically the Broncos and Russell Wilson throwing up all over themselves in that game. Now, that, again, I think I said this on last week's pod. I don't like to exaggerate here and do the whole Twitter. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. That game last week between the uh, Colts and the Broncos might be the worst NFL game I've ever watched. Just a absolute circus uh, and not an entertaining one at that. It is Colts minus two here in Indianapolis. I really kind of love the Jags. They went down and they beat um, the Chargers in L.A., uh, they got up 14 nothing on the Eagles, couldn't hold on to that one. But for about seven quarters of football now, Trevor Lawrence has been terrible. They had a terrible loss to the Texans at home last week. I, I would love to pick the Jags here, but I just don't really trust it. I'm going to say Indy somehow finds a way to win this just because I don't really trust Jacksonville to take control and win the game. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I think Jacksonville's a better football team, but uh, just I can't unsee what happened to them against Houston last week. That That was really, really bad. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, coming off a, a nice win against San Diego, and then they, you know, they do that against the Texans. Uh, whew, uh, I, I'm going to go Colts. I'll just go Colts. Just uh, maybe, maybe Jonathan Taylor gets back in the lineup. Maybe he, you know, uh, finds what he found last year. Um, but um, he's probably been the worst draft pick I've ever had in my uh, in my <laughs> NFL fantasy uh, career so far. And I've had some bad ones too. That uh, yeah, I mean, he was a machine last year. They just they've had really bad offensive line troubles, and then he finally got banged up. And they haven't been running the football as much because they've been trailing a bunch in games. It's been a weird fantasy year in general. Jonathan Taylor kind of I think epitomizes that. So we'll both go Colts on that one. Uh, no one's spending a lock on that one. That seems like a weird game. Here's another weird one. We're gonna go Pats and Browns in Cleveland. Cleveland has really just kind of given away a couple games in a row now. They were in control of that Falcons game in Atlanta two weeks ago. Somehow lost when Atlanta threw for like 70 yards in total for the game with like no weapons. And then they had a back-and-forth game against the Chargers last week where they missed a field goal to end the game to kind of save Brandon Staley's ass after he had a terrible head-scratching decision to go for it on fourth down in his own territory to try to ice the game. That didn't really make a ton of sense there. 
Uh, that guy is just, you know, you got all these coaches drunk on analytics. Brandon Staley is like needs to check into analytics rehab. He is so far gone on the analytics train. It is borderline reckless um, to the point where I think he could get canned this year if it doesn't go well, simply because of his ridiculous decision-making alone we've seen over the last couple of years. But, hey, I guess at least he's somewhat consistent. Um, this is Browns minus two and a half in Cleveland. I think New England's kind of good. I think they have a good defense. I think they run the football pretty well. They won a game last week with Bailey Zappi at quarterback uh, as Mac Jones has been hurt. I don't know if Mac Jones is playing this week. I haven't looked that up. I don't necessarily know if I care. I like the Patriots to win this game, um, and this is going to be a costly one for the Browns because you thought their schedule was manageable. They could get through seven, eight games. They get Watson back week 12 or week 13, whatever that is, and you know if they're around 500, they'll have a chance. And they lose this one, they're going to slip to two and four and uh, and with Baltimore on the road next week. And I got to say, I think it's going to happen. I, I like the Pats here. I think the Pats are actually kind of sneaky good. Yeah, I like – I'll agree with you here on this also. I mean, you know, just Cleveland has kind of given away a lot of games. I mean, they were up 14 nothing on on San Diego last week and um, somehow, someway lose that game. So, I, I just think uh, the Pats are – you know, uh, a real good coachable team, and, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't ever question Belichick, so I'm going to go with the Pats here. Is this a campaign to get the Chargers back to San Diego? Is your brain not fully processed that they're in L.A. still like mine? God, I, I keep on forgetting about that. It's almost like uh, the Guardians being called the Indians and the Redskins being called the, the Commanders. Yeah, that one, I like the Washington football team better. I think they messed with a good thing. The commander just sounds terrible. Gives the opportunity to people calling the commies, which is never great. And uh, they're one of the worst owners in the history of professional sports. I'm actually in the middle of that Seth Wickersham article that came out yesterday where, did you see this? So Wickersham, investigative reporter uh, for ESPN, done a lot of really interesting stuff on NFL ownership over the last couple of years. Wrote an incredible piece or a couple of pieces about how Jerry Jones basically orchestrated that move uh, to get both teams to Los Angeles. That's uh, besides the point. He wrote a story yesterday about Dan Snyder. Did you see this where he knows he's all the uh, NFL owners hate him. He knows they want him gone. So he's basically hired a private investigative team to just uh, collect as much dirt as possible on every single owner and uh, the commissioner. So to quote, he'd blow up if the NFL, if they quote F with me. Um, so he's basically just kind of going the extortion route, which uh bold strategy, Cotton. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they mentioned something like that on the game, and like they literally put Dan, you know, Snyder's face on the front, and they literally, you know, said exactly what you just said. So, uh, man, you know, there's just a lot of money involved, and there's a lot of you know uh, things that go on in the NFL that you know it's kind of a head scratcher, and you know, I just wish that. Um, I mean, you know, uh, Daniel Snyder. I don't know. I can't make a comment on Daniel Snyder. I don't know the guy, but um, I know that he's. Uh, He's got some issues going on, probably. Yeah, and that's a, the one thing I would say that in college, I guess you have a bit of advantage with this. If you're an NFL team with a bad owner who doesn't want to sell the team, you're just screwed. And that sucks for Red Tim fans because they used to be a pretty proud fan base. They have a terrible stadium. And again, just a horrendous owner, and you're just kind of stuck with it. So uh, I would imagine all Redskins, or excuse me, Commanders fans are uh, rooting for uh, that dirt to continue to get dug and him be forced to sell the team. But we'll see how that plays out. All right, so we're both on Cleveland uh, – excuse me, here. We're both on New England here in uh, in that game. Let's keep it moving through the early slate here. We'll go – this is actually a fascinating game. Jets-Packers in uh, in Lambeau 
in Green Bay. It is the Packers minus seven and a half. The Packers controlled that game in London last week for about two and a half quarters. Thought that the Giants aren't very good. They're finally kind of meeting their match against a good quarterback. And then, boom, the Packers just stopped scoring points and moving the ball offensively. And the New York Giants are now four and one because of it. And that was a stinging loss for the Packers. I don't know if the Packers stink. I have a hard time believing uh, that there was some weird report against uh, this week that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to retire at the end of the year. I don't know if you saw that one. I don't think that came from a reliable source. It was like an ESP, local ESPN radio affiliate guy. Always take that with a grain of salt. Um, but just a weird time. Don't have really good receivers. And the Jets are scrappy. The Jets play good football. I'm going to take the Jets here at a plus seven and a half. I just, I'm not trusting Rodgers by more than a touchdown here. Um, with kind of the cast of characters he has around them. So this feels like a little bit of a trap, but I'm going to take the Jets plus seven and a half on the road. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the Jets are, like you were saying, they're sneaky, they're sneaky, scrappy, and uh, you like that uh, whenever you, you know, put um, put money on an underdog like that, especially seven and a half points. You know, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I like, uh, I like the Jets too. I just think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers almost, it seems like he has one foot out the door. I don't know why you'd have one foot out the door getting paid millions of dollars to uh, play a game that everybody everybody wants to play. But well, and he, just, said, he just demanded that new contract where he's paid $50 million a year. That's why I don't buy the retirement deal. Yeah. And, you know, uh, how much money do you need and how much money do you have to have to play, a, you know, football? Which, that being said, um, I would probably, you know, request a little bit uh, a raise if I was doing good and, you know, and being Aaron Rodgers. But I, I, I just – I like the points here. I think this is a field goal game. Another uh, weird line here, we're going to go to Miami. It is Dolphins-Vikings, and it is Dolphins plus three with Skylar Thompson, their third-string quarterback starting. So, two is still out uh, with all the concussion stuff that's been well-documented. And I guess Teddy Bridgewater, it didn't seem like he actually had a concussion, but he got – uh, pulled because of some like eye test thing that they're now doing. The concussion thing is weird. I don't really love that content, but um, it is uh, it is yeah, whatever. Third string quarterback. I gotta say, Minnesota is probably a much better football team, but this is a perfect Kirk Cousins throws four picks and you lose a game against a third string quarterback. I get it's at noon, but uh, I'm just gonna take the Dolphins here. I think they probably somehow win this game. This feels like this has all the ingredients of a Kirk Cousins throw up game. So I'm gonna take the Dolphins here at home. Yeah, uh, oh man, who's the quarterback for the Dolphins? So Skylar Thompson, the uh, the former, I believe he was a former Kansas State guy. He had to come in the game last week when uh, at uh, at the Jets when did uh, Bursett went out with whatever that non concussion concussion was, and uh, he actually wasn't terrible. He moved the ball a bit. He wasn't bad. That kind of what led me to 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 kind of decide with the Dolphins here, aside from the Kirk Cousins angle. But uh, Skylar Thompson is the quarterback for the Dolphins this week. Is is Skyler like a is it is is it official like a boy and girl name? Uh, it seems like it's a girl name for me. Yeah, you know, in this age of gender fluid, I could say you could go either way on that one. So props to him for being uh, modern. Okay, with that, being I also bad, don't think he had a vote in his name. If I had to guess, yeah, I don't think he I popped think out so. the womb and was like, "Hey, I got to say in this." Hey, look, I, I'm not being called Skyler here. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Skylar Thompson. That sounds great. I'm, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to put our vote with Skylar. So let's go with Skylar. Only the most scientific of strategies here on Fresh Cuts each week, and that's why we just <laughs> consistently produce winners. Let's go to the Kyle Shanahan Bowl. We got Atlanta Falcons plus five at home against the San Francisco 49ers. I would assume – actually, I don't know what this line if Cordero Patterson's going to play. Falcons a little banged up. They uh, fought back last week from 21 nothing down. Should have had a chance to go down the field, as you outlined earlier, to have a chance to at least win that game. 
in Tampa last week, but uh, someone had the audacity to tackle Tom Brady, which is now a 15-yard penalty. So they lost because of that. It is plus five at home. I think San Francisco is really good. This is to stay away from me, but I'm going to take – I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to go San Francisco. I just think their defense is really good. Jimmy G seems to be kind of figuring it out. You know, he spent the entire offseason and training camp just not really doing anything but working out on his own as they were trying to trade him or just kind of keep him off to the side. Seems like he's finally got a – Finally got his rhythm a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to lay the points. I think San Francisco is a good football team. I think they're the best team in that NFC West. Yeah, I'm going to go with San Francisco. And uh, Patterson's out till week nine. So that's oh, yet another, another fantasy. fantasy blow for your boy here. Gee. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, bec- between him and Nikeem Hines and uh, Jonathan Taylor, my running back court room is uh, on fire right now. Um, uh, my fantasy so, is awful. Oh, man. But, yeah, no, I think San Francisco's – uh, good team, and uh, they should hand they should win this game by a touchdown for sure. We'll go late slate here. Starting here, we got Rams Panthers. Uh, Panthers terrible performance last week. They fired Matt Rule. That had all the ingredients of it. It was like this feels like thirty one to seven San Francisco, and Matt Rule gets fired the next day, and that's literally basically how it played out. So they got an interim coach, Steve Wilkes. Um, you know, Baker's just been flat out horrible. There's really no other way to put it. Like the, the Panthers aren't a bad team. They just have terrible quarterback play and they aren't well coached, which is a tough combination there in the national football league. Uh, Rams minus nine and a half. Um, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm taking the Panthers. I just don't think the Rams can consistently move the football well enough to be favored by nine. If this was six, I'd be all over the Rams get right game. They really need it. I think the Rams win, but uh, I'm going to take the points here. I, I, I just don't think, the Rams should be favored by nine and a half over anyone with the uh, with their uh, offensive line issues. Now they have a sick defense and they will absolutely torment Baker Mayfield. Maybe that results in fourteen points just off turnovers alone. I don't know, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it uh, safer here and I'm gonna take the points because uh, everything I just outlined. I just don't think the Rams are very good. Well, yeah. Whenever you get rid of a coach midseason, you know there's some um, um, some changes that, that happen in the team and everything like that. And there might be good and there might be bad changes. I, I, I like a new coach and a new feel for it. So I'm going to go Carolina here with the points too. Seahawks, Cardinals in Seattle, the frisky Seattle Seahawks, they literally have no defense. If they had a defense, they'd be like four and one. Uh, Cause like I mentioned, Geno Smith has been awesome and it's not fake. I mean, you look into some of the uh, passer rating stuff, some of the offensive DVOA, he is, he has been a really, really good top three NFC quarterback this year, which is shocking. They just can't get any stops, which has been good for DK Metcalf in fantasy, uh, if nothing else. I've had a terrible fantasy year, but DK has been pretty solid. Uh, this is Arizona minus two and a half in Seattle. I'll let you go first here. This is a tough one. Jeez. Uh, it's almost like a coin flip. I, I'm going to go with Geno Smith. I, I like him. Um, I don't know what he did this offseason, but – Whatever he did, I think uh, every quarterback needs to do the same thing he did and uh, playing really good football. So I never thought I'd say Geno Smith was uh, playing really good football in the NFL. So with that being said, let's go with Seattle at home. I'll take Arizona because I think they need the game. I think they're a better team. I know they're a better team, but uh, the coaching mismatch, I I just hate watching Arizona. It's like – it's like you're watching their offense. You're watching Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury fight on a play-by-play basis. And I don't mean even just the sideline chatter. I don't even know how this makes sense, but their offense just looks like two opposite sides of a struggle. I, I don't even know if that makes any sense, but it's just a pain to watch. Like nothing works, and then Kyler Murray's like, all right, guess I'm going to make some awesome play by myself. And that works sometimes, but that's led to them having like, you know, the 15th best offense in the NFL with probably a top seven or eight quarterback. So 
I'm going to take Arizona, but I don't love this. You know, we got three games left to pick, and none of us – we have used zero locks between us. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think that's by accident. Have you called <laughs> a single line this week? Because uh, I've hated almost all of these. No, I mean, there's really nothing that I would just really want to be like, all right, I'm going to make some money on this game. And I don't think the next one is going to be any favorites either, although this is going to be a fantastic football game, a rematch of the game of the year last year in the AFC Divisional Round. We have Chiefs, Bills in – Arrowhead, it is Chiefs getting two and a half points at home against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. This one's going to be awesome. That game last year was incredible. Uh, this is a coin flip of all coin flips. It's just like, what quarterback do you like more? Um, I'm going to take Buffalo. I, I think Buffalo is a more well-rounded team. I think this game will probably, quote-unquote, mean more to them because of the stinging defeat last year. This will have implications for home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and I just think Buffalo is the more complete team. Although I've been – you know, I've had some good luck on these picks, uh, picking uh, particularly early in the year, picking Kansas City as people were kind of down on them coming into the year. But uh, I feel like people understand now that, uh, no, they still got Patrick Mahomes. They're still pretty good. But with all that said, I'm still taking Buffalo. I just think they're the more complete team, and I, I think this will be kind of a send-a-message game. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think last year if uh... – you know, if Kansas City isn't the, uh, the the first team to have the ball, you know, in that playoff game, you know, that game's still playing probably. Um, I just think Buffalo's just going to, you know, uh, keep that game in the back of their head and realize that, you know, they were the better team and uh, they, they'll they'll win by two touchdowns this weekend, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still not locking it. I just – I can't do it. Because like, if, if the – I will say, uh, did you see the uh, – whenever uh, – I'm pretty sure you saw on Twitter, whenever uh, Mahomes said, you know, I'm here, and it was Kermit uh, Kermit uh, the Frogs uh, saying I'm here, that was probably the funniest thing I've ever That seen. was very funny. That was uh, some pretty creative internet content <laughs> props to ever made that one. That was good stuff. I just can't lock it because if it's another back-and-forth offensive game, it's just going to be whoever has the ball last. So – I'll take Buffalo. I just, again, I don't love that line, and we only have two games left uh, to pick. Let's go Sunday night. We got uh, Eagles, Cowboys. Eagles look like the best team in the NFL through five weeks, six weeks, however long we've been doing this uh, into this NFL season. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, probably one of the best defenses in the NFL, absolutely the best pass rush in the NFL, and Cooper Rush has done just enough to for them to be fine. It is Eagles getting a ton of respect here. You know, this would probably be a field goal game if Dak was playing. But uh, it is Eagles minus six in Philly on Sunday Night Football. This is going to be an awesome one. You know, we used to hate these NFC East games taking up primetime slots because the division sucked. But now they're kind of a fun division. The Commanders are the only team that sucks. Everyone else is 4-1 and one or uh, undefeated uh, in the Eagles case. Uh, do you have a lean here? I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, I like the Eagles. I think they're a good team. You know, they've, uh, uh, you know, picking up A.J. Brown. And, uh, you know, I, I will say the – Video of Dante Smith not liking the cold uh, was kind of funny. Uh, he's like, "Man, I'm cold." He like, so you can tell <laughs> he doesn't like the cold. But uh, uh, I, I just like the Eagles. I, I think they're a good uh, good team, and uh, I don't, you know, I know the Cowboys have been playing really good with Cooper Rush, and uh, that defense is pretty stout. And you know, Sam Williams, uh, uh, why not get defensive player, the, uh, you know, rookie of the year? So I, I like I like the Cowboys defense, but. Just think Philadelphia's offense is just going to have too much uh, firepower. So I'm, I think they're going to win by a touchdown. How about that? I agree with literally everything you said about the Eagles. I think they are uh, I think they are awesome. I, I, I'm high on the Eagles, but I'm going to take the Cowboys here because I would like to see one more week from Jalen Hurts. Can you prove it? Can that offensive line prove it against that kind of pass rush? Because there is a scenario where this game, um, you know, Dallas's defensive line takes control and the Eagles struggle offensively for the first time all year. I think that's – 
a pretty solid possibility. So I'll take the points here um, on this one and go Dallas plus six. But uh, again, I'm just keeping all the locks in the holster this week. I, I don't love this line either because, you know, the Eagles won this by 14 because their offense continued to be awesome and their uh, offensive line held up against that pass rush. Okay, that, that's not shocking me either. So I'll take Dallas in the points here. But uh, again, just kind of a, eh, okay, well, I, I don't love it. Uh, Monday night game, not a great one. We've got uh, the Chargers and the Broncos. It's funny how these things turn out versus how we think they're going to turn out, right? We all thought AFC West, all of these games are going to be must-see TV. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, uh, Derek Carr, best division in football. Well, they didn't discount the fact that uh, Denver would be better off without a coach because that would make less worse decisions, and Russell Wilson being terrible, and then the Raiders just really not having any interest in actually winning games despite having some talent and being in them. This is the Chargers minus four and a half in Los Angeles, Worth noting, they will not have any home field advantage. Probably a ton of Broncos fans there. Um, but I'll use my one lock this week. I'm going to go Chargers minus four and a half because I just think the Broncos are that future. Russ is injured. That coach is terrible. I guess I'll use all five locks on one pick. I'm going to go Chargers minus four and a half to cap out the week. Yeah, so what we'll do is all the money we'll win on Saturday and Sunday, we'll just dump it all on the uh, the Chargers and just, you know, uh, rake, uh, you know t- take it take it to the bank. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Man, I just uh, the the whole Russell Wilson thing is is, is kind of shocking. But what's great, what's funny about the whole deal is, is Seattle gets three first round picks. Is that or, or two or three? Yeah, they fleeced him in that trade. They get three first round picks. They got a decent backup quarterback and Drew Locke and a nice little tight end and Noah Fant. And the Broncos essentially got Russell Wilson, this version of him. That's uh yeah. That's and a, you, you got to know Seattle's just what? laughing in the office every day like we got them. Yeah, and you have to pay him what two hundred some odd million dollars for the rest of his you know career. So yeah, yeah, man, that's, that's expensive that's, too. That's a tough pill to swallow, but uh, I just think uh, L A. Um, I was I was about to say San Diego, but I, I changed it to L A. So I think, Char- I think the uh, the uh, the artist formerly known as the San Diego Superchargers, now called the Los Angeles Chargers, are going to roll them up. This has been Fresh Cuts Week 6. It's going by quick, dude. This has been awesome as always. I appreciate the time. Check him out if you're in Oxford, LB's University Avenue. Go get something incredible to throw in the grill and enjoy your weekend. I appreciate the time as always, dude. We'll holler at you again next week. As always, till next week. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate you making this podcast a part of your day. Hopefully you're traveling somewhere safely while listening to it. Maybe you're just getting the weekend kickstarted. Whatever you're doing, hope you're enjoying yourself. Y'all have a safe and happy weekend, and Weldon and I will be back on Sunday.